Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture on this President's Day. Thank you for joining us. Hope you had a good weekend. Here's what we'll be talking about and who we'll be talking to on the program today. Chris Clayton with DTN, just back from a couple of weeks in Brazil. We'll find out about his trip, what he saw there, what he learned. We're also going to talk taxes today with Paul Niefer, CPA with Clifton Larson Allen. Some uh, new information in from the IRS, some other reminders and tips that we'll pass along to you. And also we will talk with the president of the uh, American Veterinary Medical Association, Dr. John DeYoung, will join us. And he'll talk about some of the things uh, that have been happening, some funding for some important areas when it comes to uh, uh, animal agriculture that um, he thinks will be very helpful moving forward. That's coming up a little bit later on in today's program. But to kind of set the stage for us for this week, we're joined now by Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thanks for joining us on this President's Day. Uh, My pleasure. Happy President's Day to you, Mike. I'm in San Diego today for the crop insurance industry convention with all the different players from the agents to the companies to the reinsurers uh, all gathered together to be thinking about risk management for a couple of days. Always good to be in San Diego, although I know they've had plenty of wet weather out there. Um, What will be the focus of this meeting, you think? Uh, What will be, uh, uh, you know, when we talk crop insurance, what will they be focused on? Well, they've got today Martin Barbary, who, of course, you know, an Illinois mm-hmm. farmer who's the head of the risk management agency, and he's going to be giving an update of what's happening with USDA on crop insurance. And of course, they want to implement all of these things from the Farm Bill, but the government shutdown slowed that quite a bit. Uh, so he'll be telling us kind of where they are and what the timeline is for some of the new provisions. And then they've got a panel of different commodity organization leaders who will be talking about what the provisions in the Farm Bill are meaning to them. And so it's kind of an overview of what happened in the Farm Bill and then a look ahead at some of the different things that uh, we can expect for crop insurance in 2019 and beyond. You know, we spend a lot of time every time a Farm Bill is being written talking about getting a Farm Bill written. But sometimes we don't talk enough about what it takes to implement a farm bill after it's written and passed, and that's quite a challenge often. Oh, absolutely. And you've probably seen that Deputy Secretary Steve Senske is leading the charge and has a timeline of how different provisions need to be implemented, the order, uh, what has to be done in terms of, you know, software needs to be rewritten, uh, a lot of different re- rules and regs have to be identified and, and developed uh, so that there's a, just a really kind of a, a concert of different uh, to-do items for USDA in order to get inflammation moving. And I think they're going to start, of course, with dairy and try to get that out the door, but mm-hmm. then there are so many other areas from conservation to commodity programs to crop insurance that also need to be addressed. Well, we, uh, we've avoided another government shutdown with the uh, president signing the funding deal. But in another way, because of the emergency action he's declared on the border, uh, we may have another sort of government shutdown. That is further gridlock within Congress. I wonder what that move, how that will impact some big items coming down the road, whether it's USMCA or, or others. Uh, I think uh, it just kind of we, we see both sides kind of digging in even more. 
Well, I think that's very true. You know, we've got the funding bill for the fiscal 2019. Now we have money through September 30th. Everybody had a big sigh of relief when the president actually signed the bill, but then, of course, immediately declared a national emergency and is going to redirect some funding, which, as I understand, is in his purview to be able to do, but he's also going to be sued from, uh, talking about California again, uh, they plan to sue uh, that action today, and some other states are, so uh, it does show that there's a lot of entrenchment. Now, despite that, the people I've talked to have said, how can we find anything that's middle ground that can move forward? And I think infrastructure still remains something that there could be commonality on from both Democrats and Republicans. Uh, USMCA is probably going to be a more contentious lift, uh, even though the, the administration has made some changes that have been more popular with some of the Democrats. They still would like to have side letters. So I'm looking forward to later this week. Uh, we've got both the uh, head of USDA, Sonny Perdue, and then the leaders of the ag divisions from both Mexico and Canada coming together at USDA's Ag Outlook Conference. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of reaction all three of those get when they're talking about USMCA. And meanwhile, speaking of talking trade, more talks with the China coming up. Yes, the Chinese have apparently put another offer on the table where they're talking about dramatic increases in U.S. purchases, uh, not just of commodities, but of a lot of different, uh, even high-tech goods. It seems very ambitious, but I think the good news for everybody is that it does seem to be moving in the right direction. There are offers being made, and uh, the president has suggested that he might extend that March deadline, the March 1 deadline, a little bit more. So it does seem pretty positive at this point, whether it's doable, whether they can get the deal finally done. Uh, time will only tell. But it's certainly in all of our best interest to hope that this continues to move forward and that we could eventually drop some of these tariffs. Yeah, that just that is the cloud hanging over almost everything, it seems, right now, especially in agriculture what's going to happen with China. And finally, uh, Sarah, I want to look ahead to next month, uh, Ag Day and Ag Week activities. Uh, you always plan and have uh, quite an event, and you have some things uh, I know that you're working on for this year. Yes, our event is March 18th, and we invite everybody to sign up on our website, agripulse.com. Uh, it's usually something that it gives you an opportunity to look ahead. Our focus is on 2040, so we're taking a long look ahead but we've got some food industry folks. We've got some farm leaders. We're going to be talking about lab and plant-based needs. We're going to be talking about uh, some research that's exclusively done about who is going to be the farmer of the future and what is that he or she going to look like. We've got a young farmer panel talking about what they'd like to see in government policies. And it's going to be a really robust day of dialogue and, and information. So. Uh, yes, we're really looking forward to that, Mike, and, and uh, hope that we can continue to fill up the National Press Club as we have before. We usually have about 400 people attend. Yeah, March 18th. Uh, some of the the dates are kind of moving around a little bit on Ag Day, was it, this year? Yes, um, usually we are right next to Ag Day, and we started right next to Ag Day, but they decided to move it back a week uh, in order to facilitate some of their uh, members who wanted to uh, have it the week ahead. So 
you know, uh, we celebrate agriculture all the time, so we hope to do that as part of our event, and I'm sure they will be too. All right, Sarah, thank you very much, and we'll look forward to hearing uh, what you learn there at the crop insurance meeting out in San Diego. Thanks a lot for being with us. Thank you, Mike. Have a good day. You too. Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. All right, coming up a little bit later, we'll have some tax tips for you from uh, CPA Paul Niefer. And we're also going to talk about uh, some uh, programs being funded uh, for care for livestock. We'll talk with the president of the American Veterinary Medical Association later on. But coming up next, DTN's Chris Clayton will join us. Chris, just back from Brazil. Quite a trip that he was on. We'll find out what he saw, what he learned, share some of his experiences. That's coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. The folks at NK Seeds know that the ag industry is changing, and they know you already have enough surprises to deal with. So they thought you'd like a heads up. They're building a new NK. If you're coming to Commodity Classic, be sure to visit the Syngenta booth to learn more about their reinvigorated NK corn portfolio and consistently high-yielding NK soybeans, all bred with the latest technology to help you maximize ROI. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. 
If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Just back from quite a trip to Brazil is DTN's Chris Clayton. He joins us now. Chris, welcome back. Uh, thank you. How are you doing? Good. Was it a good trip? Yes. Uh, it was, uh, I think, a pretty product- productive trip. Um, and spent uh, about five, six days in Mato Grosso, uh, as well as a little bit of time uh, looking at agriculture in the Amazon and uh, a little bit in the south and Parana state. So you were gone quite a while, saw quite a bit. Uh, let's get your thoughts, your impressions. Uh, what what was your big takeaway when you uh, coming back from there? What stood out to you? Um, the really big acreages that uh, that are obvious. You know, you hear a lot about it, but until you actually see the scope of uh, some of these. Uh, hectares that uh, are being farmed down there, you know, 100,000 hectare farms, 247,000, acres, just uh, massive, and then the machinery that goes along with that, um, a few of the farmers I was with, you, you had the perception maybe that, you know, some of these guys might be using uh, older, clunked up machinery instead, these guys are using the, uh, the biggest and the best. Uh, machinery out there what about their infrastructure we have heard about uh, their ongoing efforts to improve infrastructure what did you see uh, how did it impress you well the roads uh, can be pretty rough uh, in places and uh, and they and they remain that way um, but the challenge that Mato Grosso has is as big as the state is um, and it's as big as five or six U.S. states. Uh, the big as it is, the population base is pretty low. It's only about three and a half million people. Um, so infrastructure is a real challenge. Uh, they have their trucking system down, though, certainly. And, uh, you know, trucks are moving every which way possible, but uh, Mato Grosso is still a pretty good distance away from ports, and their road system... Uh, you know, there just aren't a lot of very few four-lane highways. So, uh, what is there going to be a while behind us? You know, on that point. Yeah. What What's their weather like, and how do they feel about their crop? Um, there was a lot of disappointment in their soybean crop uh, in different ways. Um, they either didn't get uh, the warm up that they wanted at a particular time or they didn't get rain at a particular time. So places throughout Mato Grosso, everybody was kind of reporting, um, you know, 10 to 15 uh, percentage declines in their yields in that first crop. Um, in uh, southern uh, Brazil, Parana State, uh, there were some guys that we talked to, a couple of farmers who had uh, saw 50% yield losses from a year ago. So, uh there might still be a little bit of scaling back of, uh, 
of the estimated output for um, for that soybean crop out of Brazil. We're talking with DTN's Chris Clayton, just back from a trip to uh, South America, uh, focusing on Brazil. Uh, what did you hear there, Chris? Uh, how do they view what's going on between the United States and China? Do they see that as a big opportunity for them? Well, they certainly uh, saw it as an opportunity um, last year. Um, the prices, though, have come down for them. Um, they're now not seeing the premiums that they were seeing back last spring uh, when uh, China stopped buying altogether from the U.S. and really started going gangbusters from Brazil. Um, they're, so they're, they're, they've seen the, they, they saw a really good price last spring. Uh, that has declined, and uh, they're not really seeing any premium value now out of that. Um, but uh, they still see that both the U.S. and China can supply, uh, both the U.S. and Brazil can supply China and Europe. Um, they feel that we're more um, uh, co-partners in terms of uh, producing soybeans for everybody rather than uh, necessarily competitors. And uh, I know that, you know, that might have been a nice way of talking to a lot of American farmers. But, um, you know, that was kind of the, uh, the take that we got from some farmers there. You mentioned the size of uh, farms there. Uh, sounds like no indication they're going to stop that at all as far as expansion. They're going to keep going and keep expanding? Well, um, the, the big issue, I, I think there are a couple of issues there with that. Uh, one, that uh, they're uh, in Mato Grosso, the uh, native tribes own a lot of, uh, a lot of land. And, um, you know, or as economic development for themselves, they might be looking to get a lot more into agriculture. Um, you know, the tribes have the right. They could lease a lot of land out if they wanted to to some of these current uh, big operators. Um, and there's also the question of, uh, you know, if they move their cattle off a more pasture-based uh, grass-fed pasture, take that corn crop that they produce, they're looking to produce more ethanol, more DDGs, using more feedlot operations for their cattle, and then taking that land, that pasture land, and putting that more into a crop production as well. Um, and then also, you know, there's a possibility, you know, you may see down the line that uh, there would be some loosening of the reserve requirements that they were, are, uh, are required to have. And uh, if that's the case, then... Uh, down the line, they have uh, a great deal of land that they could open up. Uh, they put into production as well in the Cerrado, their, their Savannah area. What environmental issues are they dealing with there, Chris? Well, that issue of the reserve requirement, um, a lot of environmental groups um, in Brazil and uh, Europe and others uh, want to protect uh, the current reserve requirements that they have, whether it's for forestry or, you know, when we talk about the Cerrado, the Cerrado is uh, uh, grasslands with a lot of small trees throughout, you know, millions and millions of acres that, uh, you know, back, back in the 90s that they cleared, that's what they cleared off to, uh, to start their crop production. And uh, there's still millions of acres of that left. And, 
and that's kind of the tug and pull between how much they uh, they keep those uh, reserve requirements in place for the uh, for the habitat for uh, water quality purposes for uh, greenhouse gas emission purposes versus uh, you know dialing back some of those reserve requirements and opening up more production that that's kind of the uh, the, the conflict uh, that probably going to happen down there uh, more and more. So they have their share of challenges as well, don't they? Uh, they do. Uh, I think infrastructure still was uh, a big issue. They're talking, uh, they've been talking forever about a couple of rail lines going further in the Mato Grosso up to a couple of ports on the Amazon. And, you know, you're still talking maybe 10 years potentially before that uh, happens because uh uh, the new government is looking like they may open up and allow bids for some of these railroad operations uh, um, later this year. Uh, how much those bids cost and how much actual infrastructure goes into uh, place still remains to be seen. And, and dealing with maybe corruption issues that have slowed infrastructure in the past, if, uh, that, that, that's something they still need to get a handle on as well. As we have found out here, infrastructure improvements, uh, although easy to get people to acknowledge that they're needed, not so easy to get them actually uh, funded and, and done. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of, again, their challenge as well because of that low population base they have in the state. Um, it, it requires more from their federal government or private investors, whether it's uh, China companies, there's talk whether it's Who's going to bid for these railroads? Will it be Chinese firms? Uh, will it be the uh, Brazilian and U.S. agricultural companies down there together, going together to bid in to put in the railroad? Who's going to put in that kind of money, four or five billion dollars, to uh, to put in railroad infrastructure uh, for those guys? All right, Chris. Uh, sounds like it was a very interesting trip. Good to have you back with us, and uh, thanks for kind of sharing some of the the highlights of that trip with us. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate talking with you a little bit. And, and thanks for taking time on on your President's Day. Thank you very much. That is uh, Chris Clayton from DTN, just back from a couple weeks in uh, in South America, and uh, interesting what he learned there as they look at the, you know. They're continuing to grow and expand, but there are some challenges and issues that go along with that as well. Tax time, and we have some new information from the IRS. We'll get the very latest from CPA Paul Niefer. The tax man joins us next here on AOA. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 
180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. It is tone. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800 930 6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538. Immediately, that's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, Mobile Help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free Mobile Help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, it's often challenging to get uh, the uh, information needed from the IRS on any changes or what is new for a particular year. It's been especially challenging this year with the government shutdown and all, but uh, we have some more information from the IRS and joining us now to share that with us is CPA with Clifton Larson Allen, Paul Neifer. Hi, Paul. How are you? 
I am doing good. We've got a little bit of snow here, but I think another couple weeks uh, it might disappear finally. <laughs> yeah, you're out, out west, and uh, uh, yeah, those in the Midwest can uh, relate to snow. It's been one of those winters, <laughs> that's for sure. Well, let's talk yeah. about you. You've been waiting for some information. We finally got it from the IRS. What's the latest? Yeah, you know, the latest isn't necessarily what I'm going to call good news. It's it's a situation where we certainly know on the 199A deduction, uh, which is that special 20% deduction that uh, that we've always been talking about, uh, that we know on the rental side there's some clarity there. Uh, essentially, if if a farmer is renting his ground within his own operation, so to speak, that's going to count. However, if he is a operating as a C corporation and is renting that ground from him personally or another entity, for 18, we think that still counts, but starting in 19, that's not going to count unless he provides more services. And if he provides more services, it may or may, may, may not be subject to self-employment tax. So there's still, yeah, we got some more guidance there. Uh, another area which is we think sort of a I, I did a post, a blog post on this last week. Uh, I almost used the word goofy. I decided not to. I used the word interesting. Hmm. Is that the IRS is now requiring you to reduce that 199A 20% deduction by your self-employment tax deduction, your self-employed health insurance deduction, and then your retirement plan contribution. And all of those are based on net income. So your net income from the business is what determines those three deductions, but what the IRS and their regulations state is that you have to go ahead and reduce it or allocate it if you got more than one business. You have to allocate it based on gross income, and that could really mess up the deduction. Now, likely that's not going to be a huge number, but uh, basically every CPA I've talked to thinks the IRS was uh, you know, likely smoking something funny that's uh, legal in some states now when they came up with that provision. What are some things that you would advise farmers uh, to keep in mind, um, you know, not to take something for granted or think, assume something that may not be the case? What would be a good reminder? Yeah, I think a good reminder, especially this year, if they haven't filed their return yet and they typically think they're going to file by March 1, uh, we're telling all our farmers really to hold off. We still don't have any guidance if a farmer deals with a cooperative uh, we essentially have no guidance from the IRS on that. And matter of fact, I'm continuing to update on the blog almost daily things that we find out. I mean, we just found out something this week that we think we know what the answer is, but uh, and we're going to let everybody know here's what we think. Uh, but nobody really knows what the IRS is thinking. And you know, we've had some background discussions with uh, you know people either at the IRS or in the Senate or in the House and so on. And and, um, you know, they say guidance is imminent, but in Congress, imminent, does that mean a week from now or does it mean two years from now? You, you really don't know. So I, I just, if I'm a farmer and I'm so used to filing March 1 and I want to go ahead and file March 1, this is the year not to file by March 1. You know, the best advice I could give you is go ahead and pay your tax that you think it's going to be. You know, go ahead and pay that by March 1 and then probably wait until April 15th to finally file your return. Your, your penalty is going to be fairly small for most farmers. In return, uh, it's going to be a whole lot cheaper paying that penalty than paying somebody like me to file an amended return for you. So uh, that, that's probably my advice, for at least for right now. 
We're talking with CPA Paul Neifer. Paul, how much of this uh, unknown and delay is due to the government shutdown, or is it just inaction by Congress, or or is this just kind of what's become business as usual anymore with the IRS? I think it's a combination of all three. I, I think you know the IRS has had plenty of time to come up with uh, some answers on, especially on this cooperative deduction because it affects a lot of farmers. But I'm going to admit for the IRS, it's not a huge priority. We're talking, in their opinion, I think, we're talking of a very small uh, deduction out there because farmers historically, you know, based on, you know, the filings that they see, don't show any income. So they're thinking, well, if you're not showing any income, this must not be a big deal. So uh, I, I think it's partly that. I think the shutdown certainly put a little crimp in the plans, and then part of it is, you know, they just drag their feet. And even when they come out with proposed regulations, you know, I, I wish they would get a group of people like, such as myself or somebody else that deals with this on a day-to-day basis. I wish they would communicate with those people beforehand before they just throw out proposed regulations and then say, oh, by the way, make your comments, and then we'll come up with our final answer later on. So I, I think they could do things more efficiently. Now, maybe that's not allowed, but certainly that would be helpful. Well, this co-op issue has been going on for some time. Uh, it, it's been going on. We have a transition uh, issue this year. Again, no guidance on that. Uh, going forward, I think the cooperative uh, thing is going to be fairly straightforward, but for the 2018 filing, it is anything but straightforward. It, it is a, it's a rat's nest of, of, well, if this, then that. If, but then when you're that, you got to go over to here, and, and the instructions, the worksheet, actually potentially indicates that if you're in the right situation, you actually get to increase your 199A deduction by a negative cooperative, so a, a reduction. So, I mean, it is just goofy right now. Overall, the tax cut or the tax reform package that was passed, how has that impacted agriculture? Positively, negatively, how would you, uh, how would you uh, grade it? I, I, the way I would grade it, if, if agriculture was, let's say, healthy like they were back in 12, 13, I would say it's extremely positive. But with agriculture being less healthy, not showing as much income, I don't think the. I think it's still positive, but certainly not as positive as it would have been back in in 11, 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, going forward, if if agriculture turns around, then I think it's going to become progressively more positive. Talking with CPA Paul Neifer. Paul, uh, you mentioned still waiting for some information. Uh, what should uh, moving forward? What are the big things that you're you're watching for that uh, could have an impact? Well, certainly, if if you're a farmer and you sell to cooperative, that's the biggest item that we're waiting mm-hmm. on uh, some guidance. The other item is a lot of farmers are going to be showing some losses this year, and the new tax law makes changes to how we account for those losses. And we need some guidance on that. Now, a lot of that really is going to affect the 2019 return. But when we're preparing the 18 return, if we get that guidance, we can maybe plan a little bit better as far as, you know, because a lot of times with depreciation and other elections that farmers can make, we can either increase that loss or reduce that loss. And once we get that guidance, we'll know what the answer should be. Uh, Right now, we have an educated guess, but that's really what it is. So... 
you could be planning now for next year's taxes, really, right? Uh, you definitely, this this is a, a good time, you know, maybe right after tax season when the uh, tax preparers actually can start thinking again. Um, you know, that's a great time to meet with your CPA, your tax preparer, go through, okay, we just got done with 2018. What is our game plan for 19? How should we be approaching it? Uh, likely you might have a good idea. You know, is this going to be a good year, a bad year? If it's a bad year, then we want to do this. If it's a good year, we want to do this. And if we don't know what it is, then we want to do this. So that that's a great time to meet with your uh, taxes. Uh, prepare instead of meeting, you know, either at the end of the year or after you're in. It's kind of like when you're on the combine in the fall, you're already you're getting information then that helps you prepare or make decisions for next year, kind of the same way with taxes. Exactly, exactly. You always want to be proactive about it. Uh, uh, we deal with too many farmers that are sort of reactive. You know, it's uh, they react to what it is. I, I know there's a lot of farmers out there that really have, have pushed the tax can down the road, so to speak, you know, all that deferred tax liability, and they, they tell us, Oh, you know, we'll just deal with that when we have a low year because we can bring that income in and we can uh, offset it with some loss as well. The, the issue a lot of times in order to bring that income in, you got to have some cash. They don't have the cash, so really it hasn't helped them as much as they think it's going to be. And, and typically that gets pushed down the road and they end up paying tax at a very high rate, and that's what we want to try to avoid if we can. Do you see a lot of things going on with estate planning and some of those issues? You know, I, I I I thought there would be more of a of a pent up demand on that. Uh, we, we certainly, I was in Spokane a couple weeks ago, and the in the session before me was on estate planning. Uh, I touched on it a little bit in in my session. Uh, I, I think, and of course, uh, we were a top producer and and covered that in a in a breakout session on the legacy project. There, there's, I think. With land values coming down and debt levels going up, for a lot of the farmers that thought they were going to be in a state tax situation, you know, with the doubling of the exemption, the lifetime exemption amount, I mean, a, a farm couple now can be easily worth $30 million, uh, between now and 2025 with a little bit of planning and not owe any federal estate tax. So I, I, it's just not as prevalent on the estate side as it was before. Certainly on the succession planning side where – Hey, we want to bring in junior. You know, the operation is barely providing enough income to provide for us. How are we going to bring junior in? That there's more of that going on, but on the estate side, not so much. All right, Paul. As always, thank you. I, I always say this, uh, so much for simplifying things. It, it never seems to get any simpler or easier. But thanks for uh, keeping us up to date. No problem. Thanks, Mike. Take care. CPA with Clifton. Larson Allen, Paul Niefer. Coming up next, the American Veterinary Medical Association is happy with the funding levels that have been provided for veterinary priorities in the uh, spending bill that has been passed. We're going to talk about that with the uh, president of the American Veterinary Medical Association, Dr. John DeYoung, joins us next here on AOA. Stay with us. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. 
Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable Bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information, and then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. The folks at NK Seeds know that the ag industry is changing, and they know you already have enough surprises to deal with. So they thought you'd like a heads up. They're building a new NK. If you're coming to Commodity Classic, be sure to visit the Syngenta booth to learn more about their reinvigorated NK corn portfolio and consistently high-yielding NK soybeans, all bred with the latest technology to help you maximize ROI. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food. We've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask? Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change the world's behavior through brainwashing. Because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food. And that costs a family of four $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. It's worsening climate change through the release of methane gas. Save the food. Cha-ching. And it's wasting precious natural resources like our fresh water. Save the food. Cha-ching. So when you hear this sound, don't be neutral. Rethink your behavior. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. 
No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 855-801-2854. 855-801-2854. That's 855-801-2854. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, the funding bill passed by Congress has some good things in it when it comes to funding some uh, priorities uh, for animal care. And here to talk about that is the president of the American Veterinary Medical Association, Dr. John DeYoung. Uh, John, thanks for joining us. What in particular... Uh, do you see in this funding bill that uh, is is going to be very helpful? I know there's some key areas that you were looking at. Sure, Mike. Well, first of all, great to be with you again and uh, to be on on your show. Um, we're really delighted that that the members of Congress saw the the importance of veterinary priorities. And, and to answer your question more directly, we were really glad to see generous funding for two programs in particular to increase access to veterinary care in rural communities. First of all, they again provided $8 million in funding for the Veterinary Medicine Loan Repayment Program. Um, this is a program that um, helps retire student debt, and it's extremely important to fill shortages of food, animal, and public health veterinarians in rural areas. And it's up $1.5 million from where it was in fiscal year 2017, but it talks clearly about how important a program it is and making sure that veterinarians are in rural areas um, tr treating animals. The second was they actually increased funding for the Veterinary Services Grant Program from 2 and a half to $3 million. Um, and the Veterinary Services Grant Program helps to increase the pipeline of rural veterinarians through educational efforts um, and practice enhancements. And it's a great resource for practices looking to expand in rural areas or for veterinary schools to increase um, the future supply of food, animal, and public health veterinarians. So those were two in particular. They also continued to provide... Um, needed very critical funding um, for NBAF, which is the uh, National Bio and Agri-Defense Facility, um, as a planned biocontainment laboratory that provides a secure environment for the study of diseases that threaten um, both animals, um, America's animal agricultural industry and public health, um, which will be owned and managed by the USDA. And it strengthens our ability to conduct research, develop vaccines, and diagnose emerging diseases and train veterinarians, hoping to launch it in December 2022. And, um, and there's other funding as well, um, additional $15 million for the Agriculture and Food Research Initiative, and also all of the Animal Welfare Act and Horse Protection Act were funded. They also continue to fund FARAD, which is a Food Animal Residue Avoidance Data Bank, Animal Health and Disease Research in the USDA and Center for Veterinary Biologics. So across the board, the AVMA, you know, by working closely with Congress and our great government relations division office in D.C., um, we're very pleased with the outcome of what we were able to receive. There's always work yeah. to be done, and we hope to continue it going into 2020 and beyond. I was going to say, 
you very seldom get everything you want, but it sounds like uh, this was uh, pretty close. It was a win-win, you know, and after, you know, a, a big shutdown, you know, I'm very pleased that, that I, I guess it was a bipartisan effort, and members of both parties saw the importance of these very key veterinary initiatives, animal agriculture initiatives, uh, to keep our food supply safe, to, uh, to make sure that food, animal, and public health veterinarians and all the very important work that they do is well recognized and well funded. We're talking so with the president. Very happy. Yeah, talking with the president of the American Veterinary Medical Association, Dr. John DeYoung. Uh, John, what is your what are your thoughts when uh, you know we're, we keep hearing about the uh, the devastating impact of uh, African swine fever in China and uh, concerns could that spread uh, to the United States how vulnerable are we how, how do you view that and and how should US producers view that um, I, I think with caution I think we the fact that we have uh, great detection heightened awareness um, and veterinarians are very very well trained to identify and report any kind of diseases um, so we've got to make sure that you know any trade is is well well uh, controlled and um, that we do all that we can to make sure that we do everything we can to keep any kind of diseases like African swine fever from coming to the United States. And so it's a matter of important diagnostics, well-trained individuals at the key points of entry to, uh, to keep our food supply safe. And it could be devastating. Any, any kind of a disease like that could really have a, a huge economic effect as well as a uh, a cost, well, economic effect to the public, but also to farmers. So um, it's, it's being diligent and being cautious and being aware of what's going on. And there's great, if you look at CDC and, and other agencies, they do a good job of, of keeping track of uh, international diseases uh, that affect both humans and animals. I was down at the CDC a short while ago and had to go had opportunity to visit the control room. And it was, it was fascinating to me to see the extent of uh, vigilance on any kind of reportable or dangerous uh, zoonotic or diseases that can cross borders, um, from Ebola to African swine fever, etc. And it was it's so we, our government to work at it. And uh, as long as we've got the right, properly trained veterinarians and individuals keeping an eye on things, uh, we, I would hope that we'd be okay. Well, you and I have talked before about the challenge of having those uh, trained veterinarians throughout the country, and it sounds like the funding that you talked about earlier uh, will be a big step in, in helping deal with that situation. It, it helps with dealing with the situation. We still, I think, have got a ways to go in making sure that we educate enough people in veterinary schools that want to stay in public health, that want to stay in epidemiology, that want to stay in food and animal production. Um, as I go around the country all year as president, I always talk about the fact that veterinary medicine is not just companion animal medicine, but we're also food animal production, food safety, public health epidemiology, research education, animal uh, welfare, uh, human animal bond, and one health. And the one health concept is important to the AVMA because, you know, along with human beings, we're all in this together. And, uh, you know, we just hope that the, uh, the medical community on the other side, the human side, uh, embraces it as much as we want to embrace it because we are in this together. Yeah, and I'm afraid that oftentimes people that aren't in the livestock industry, let's say, they may not be aware of how important this is to all of us. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's our job. It's one of my jobs and, and that of people like yourself with your show to educate the public and hopefully that more and more people listen and learn about um, how important it is to realize the value of animals and humans and the inter uh inter 
session points or, or the intersection points between our health and how it's all connected. Um, and so the more we do, the better to inform people and the public, the better off we'll be. John, as well, always, good to talk with you. Thank you for being with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Have a great day, and thanks for all you all right. do. Take care. President of the American Veterinary Medical Association, Dr. John DeYoung. Well, that wraps it up for today on this President's Day. Thank you for joining us tomorrow. Uh, we've got trade talks with China and a lot of other issues going on. We'll get you updated right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day, everyone.